You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Happy to be with you once again. It's Tyler Donahue and... January, always an action-packed month across the college football landscape. Happy Valley right now is no exception. In just a moment, you'll hear from my colleagues, Daniel Gallon and Tyler Calvaruso. A lot of roster news to work our way through here. Uh, we're less than 10 days removed from the Rose Bowl. The last time we saw this team in action, we already have a lot to look at in terms of roster shifts. Uh, we have a roster retirement, a couple confirmed returners that had been weighing their NFL draft options, and a bunch of new enrollees ranging from freshmen to transfer players. So a lot to get to. A little bit later after we go through all of that stuff, you'll hear from one of the newest members of this Penn State roster, defensive back Lamont Payne, who signed with the Nittany Lions in December, enrolled uh, just this week. He's underway with classes as of Monday. We caught up with him just before he got to campus. Uh, in fact, right before he was loading up the car on Friday. So stay tuned for that conversation in just a moment. But first, let's bring in Tyler Calvaruso and Daniel Gallon, who, uh, Daniel, I hope you've had a little bit of chance to recover. You, you've been out to LA for the, for the Rose Bowl. You've been to the Palestra for Penn State basketball. So we're getting you back in the mix. And Tyler Calvaruso, you have no time to breathe right now because the transfer portal continues to turn. So both of you always appreciate it hopping on with me and getting a chance to break down the latest. For sure. I mean, today's the first day back in State College after uh, a little bit of an odyssey with, with L.A., Maryland, Philly. So I'm ready to get back after it. Yeah, the only and odyssey I take is from, like, my desk to my kitchen. So, yeah. <laughs> Your odyssey, is, your odyssey is what you're hearing on the phones uh, exactly. and what you're, what, you're, what you're messaging, and that's your odyssey because things are changing. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit of drama kind of swirling around the, the transfer class that we thought as we knew it. But let's begin with the fact that Penn State finished off this latest season at number seven in the final Associated Press Top 25 poll, also number seven in the coaches poll. And Daniel, as you wrote on Tuesday morning, this was a Nittany Lions program coming off an 11-11 two-year stretch that was on ranked when things opened up at Purdue on September 1st. Definitely. Uh, Penn State finishes at number seven in the final AP poll. Uh, they got into the top 15 around mid-September after that Auburn win, after that Central Michigan win. Um, and they were really in the top 15 for the rest of the season. There were, after the losses to Michigan and Ohio State, you know, they dipped down to number 16, but quickly worked their way up, hovered around the top 10. And with that win over Utah, with some of the other things that happened around them, they finished the year firmly within um, the, the AP poll top 10. So I think as you kind of look forward, you look at the teams that are around them, what they're losing, what Penn State has coming back, um, things are setting up very nicely for this to be a very talked about team this offseason. Uh, we've even seen it from within our own network, the 24-7 sports way too early Top 25 has Penn State in there at number five. Um, there's a lot of excitement. 
Um, but I think when you look back at kind of the, the progression of the team, it was a, a pretty impressive year from, from where they started. Now, we had lots of questions. Being unranked seemed pretty normal, pretty rational, you know, a good spot for where this team was coming off of 2021. Um, but they firmly, you know, and pretty quickly asserted themselves. And even though they had those two losses to Michigan and Ohio State, when you look back at the season, those are two pretty good losses to have. So I think Penn State has set itself up pretty well for a, a good future um, and uh, a lot to talk about this offseason as we're getting started to do right now. And, and, and this team was six and two uh, with, with two losses in three weeks against Michigan, against Ohio State. We wondered aloud on this podcast for a couple weeks, really, where would it take a turn in November? Would this team you know, finish strong? Would it be a repeat performance of 2021 where, where the things kind of unravel? Maybe guys get disinterested. Guys start to, to opt out mentally. Uh, guys start to opt out le- legitimately in the postseason. Instead, we saw this team rally around each other, deliver four emphatic blowouts of inferior conference opponents in, along the course of November. Then they encounter number eight Utah, who just walloped USC, a team that everyone already had pegged as going to the college football playoff, had a Heisman Trophy winner as their starting quarterback. And Penn State, Built a 21-point fourth-quarter lead over that Utah team to finish things out. So, interestingly enough, outside of that Ohio State game, the Michigan game, and then go back to week one when it was a down-to-the-wire finish against Purdue, these were five straight cakewalk kind of performances. I don't want to say that about Utah because they lost their quarterback, but Daniel, you and I were both underway with our post-game stories when that third quarter was transitioning to the fourth quarter, and I don't think any of us expected that out in Pasadena. And looking around, aside from the way that they handled business in, in, with big, big margins of victory, I think the other thing to remember here is you know, James Franklin has been pointing time and time again as the last couple of years being outliers for his program, specifically, specifically last year. 2020 was COVID. I know Franklin puts that in its own kind of uh, box, and a lot of people do. And I think as we get further away, it's going to be more obvious that that's the case. But now four out of seven years, fellas, where Penn State finishes inside the top 10 in Associated Press top 25 poll, it's only the first time that's been done since 1990 through 1996. So people are searching for how this thing is training under James Franklin. The, the latest season certainly a sign of success, but I think overall, you look at a guy that you're committed to long term as a university right now, that's quite the span they've been able to put together. And coming out of this, Tyler Calvaruzzo, Daniel just touched on it. I just talked about it. There's a ton of buzz around this team right now. It's very much different than what we heard in January 2022, January 2021. How do we see that maybe translating onto the recruiting trail as Penn State tries to get recruits on campus, tries to build that 2024 class, and tries to ensure that they are a national name that belongs with the seat of the table across the country? Well, I could tell you right now, you know, headed into this weekend, we got the big junior day coming up that I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into later. There's a lot of buzz surrounding that. And I think the season that Penn State just put together definitely plays a major role in that. You know, you don't want to say like winning the Rose Bowl is bells and whistles, but when you have such a good season, then you cap it by winning such a prestigious bowl game like the Rose Bowl and recruits come to campus. They, they see the trophy. They see all the excitement just surrounding the program after such a big win on a national stage. A lot of guys are intrigued because they want to be part of something like that. A lot of these guys, they want to play, yeah, they want to play in the playoff, but they want to be playing big-time college football, and that's what Penn State has to offer right now. And it's pretty apparent to a lot of the names that are coming to campus. So I want to say the buzz is at an all-time high because I, I just feel like that's such a that's such a reach in any you know situation. But a lot of buzz surrounding the Nittany Lions in a positive manner right now. And we're going to see that come to fruition this weekend with a pretty impressive list already coming to campus. Only Tuesday, already a lot of intriguing names. 
Yeah, that list is up at lions247.com. It is a conversation we're going to get into a little bit later here on the podcast. Maybe an all-time high for you as someone who's yeah. covered the program since June um, in, in terms of what you've experienced and, and what you're hearing. Uh, and, and let's get back to the cause of some of that buzz. We've heard players on this Penn State roster who are going to be back tell us that the expectations are to compete for a national championship in 2023. One of the guys who said that to us most directly in post-game conversations out in Pasadena was Curtis Jacobs. And Daniel Gallon, he's sticking around for 2023. A huge win for Penn State. We'll get to another in a moment, but this is going to be a third-year starter at linebacker who I think we both feel has a lot to gain, a lot to develop from coming back for year four. Curtis Jacobs made it pretty short and sweet uh, today. We, we had to wait a little bit, but his graphic came out and it just said, I'm back. I'm going to play for Penn State next year, which, you know, I think, you know, straight to the point, uh, Curtis Jacobs can be someone of, of a lot of words sometimes, but uh, I, I appreciate the brevity there. When you look at what his return does for this roster, I think from a pure talent perspective, you know, he is one of the most athletic defenders that they have. He was a five-star recruit coming out of McDonough. Uh, in Maryland in the class of 2020, we've seen those skills, uh, especially at that Sam linebacker spot uh, out in space. You know, he's really been able to you know, use his athleticism out there to make some plays. And at the same time, he isn't really a, he's not afraid to mix it up um, inside. You know, he he likes to dish out some punishment um, and get that big game against Minnesota, uh, a really run heavy attack. I think 14 tackles. Um, you know, he's someone who can be a playmaker. Um, I think there is a question of you know, consistently doing it week in and, and week out for him. Um, but I do like what he brings back. And then from the team perspective, uh, Penn State slated to return it. It's three starting linebackers right now. Uh, Abdul Carter, Tyler Elsden slash Kobe King, um, and then Curtis Jacobs. You know, Jonathan Sutherland is the only guy from that group who's projected to leave uh, right now. You're bringing in those three freshmen. You know, Dom DeLuca is on scholarship now. He fits in nicely at that Sam spot. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Keon Wiley and Tyrese Mills, uh, two freshmen that we didn't see at all or much of for, for different reasons this year. Um, and then Jamari Budden is still on the roster too. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of pieces there. Um, depth was kind of a concern these past two seasons, but I think the emergence of someone like DeLuca, seeing the strides that Kobe King made, getting Jacobs back, having Abdul Carter be this just headline player. Um, and then with the freshman coming in, I, I think you have to feel really good about that linebacker spot right now, um, which wasn't necessarily the case at times these past two seasons. So um, I think Curtis Jacobs coming back, I think it's one of those situations where it'll be mutually beneficial for both sides. Jacobs comes back. He gets the chance to show what he can do again, boost that draft stock, maybe kind of define a little bit more what he might be at the next level. Um, he does feel like kind of a, a tweener right now, even though I do think he has the skill set to play in the modern NFL, uh, given the way that things are trending there. Um, and then for Penn State, anytime you can return an athlete like that, someone who plays an important position, uh, someone who I thought was utilized pretty well by Manny Diaz. I mean, I just keep going back to the strip sack he had at Rutgers, where it seemed like he was in the backfield immediately. Um, I don't think I've seen someone get to the quarterback that quickly. So you're bringing that type of player back, someone who can really make plays, someone who can be utilized in different ways. I, I think that bodes really well for this defense. And I think both sides can get a big boost from Curtis Jacobs coming back in 2023. 
Jacobs finished third on the team with 52 total tackles. He had seven and a half of those for loss, four sacks on the season, along with an interception. Uh, and with Jacobs returning, we'll talk about those two early enrollees in just a bit. They got two guys on campus here at linebacker who just showed up underway the classes this week. Um, but defensive end is a spot that we have been trying to forecast. What's it going to look like? We knew Nick Tarburton heading into the Rose Bowl. That was going to be his farewell moment. Uh, he's moving on, trying to, to take his shot at the NFL instead of using that COVID year. But beyond that right now, it's looking like a very strong group of experienced veterans getting a huge boost on Sunday when Adiza Isaac announced that he'll be returning for his fifth year with the Penn State football program. And Isaac's a guy that, um, you know, you and I both spoke with out in Los Angeles, Daniel, and very hard at that time to gauge where his mind was at. I think he's one guy that hadn't had his mind made up going into kickoff and the Rose Bowl. And perhaps even when the game uh, you know, was finished and a few days uh, the dust settled, perhaps he didn't have his mind up. Maybe that's why we saw it take almost a week for him to announce. At the end of the day, though, they're getting back a player who was certainly on the rise as this season progressed. Let's remember he missed the 2021 season with a torn Achilles, suffered that offseason. Uh, that dashed a lot of what he was hoping to accomplish in 2022 because he was limited in spring ball, felt like he was still working his way back mentally and physically as this season went on. I think he went so far as to say before the Rose Bowl, he still didn't feel like he was at 100%. And a big thing for him in making this return, aside from being able to add a huge component to what looks like a potentially stellar Penn State defensive unit, is that he can really build that draft stock. And in my opinion, Daniel, anybody on this roster that we can go through and kind of sort through, and I think Olu Fashionu has already established himself up there, but he is the guy that I think has a launch pad underneath his feet in 2023 because Adiza Isaac is going to get his first full offseason with Penn State since his freshman year when he enrolled in January of 2019. Uh, I'm sorry, of 2020. Um, and, and, and so we're trying to figure out where exactly Adiza Isaac is in his progression. It's hard to figure out because – he just hasn't had a chance to be with this program and be healthy. And it's going to happen this year, hopefully. And I think it's just great news for this group that brings back the night. Dennis Sutton, Chop Robinson, Amin Vanover. The list goes on. There's other guys, Uriah Fisher, Smith Vilbert. What do you get from them? You've got some freshmen coming in. Uh, and so that's a lot of names to work your way through. If you're Manny Diaz and John Scott, that you say he's played a lot of Big Ten football and he's going to be ready for us when it's time to snap again. I think there's a good chance that going into next year, Adisa Isaac is Penn State's top draft eligible prospect on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that you look at the position that he plays, the skill set that he has, and some of the production that he had this year. Um, he led the team with eight quarterback hurries. Uh, it seemed like as the season went on, he was in the backfield a lot more, um, always around the quarterback, really being able to affect plays. Uh, we also saw him make some plays in space. Uh, the way that Manny Diaz utilized him a little bit with some of those zone blitz looks where he would drop off the line of scrimmage and into the flat and play a little bit of zone. So he's someone that I think that Manny Diaz has shown that he can do a lot with. And Adisa Isaac is someone who can do a lot. Uh, we've talked about it before where uh, at the edge rusher spot, you can never really have too many guys there. And to have someone like Adisa Isaac who's coming back, I, I think that bodes really well, especially when we saw what Chop Robinson was able to do. You know, you're going to want Denai Dennis Sutton to really make that next step um, and to really be able to to make plays, uh, you know, before the fourth quarter <laughs> with, with a lot of his sacks. But I think that getting Adisa Isaac back, it, it kind of brings, it gives you that sort of headliner um, of a pass rusher, which I think that when you look at defenses around college football, a lot of the best ones have guys off the edge that can really be disruptive and make things happen. So I'm really curious to see what Adisa Isaac looks like physically after getting this full off season, you know, after being healthy, being able to go through things, 
Um, you know, he, he weighed in the two forties this year. And I think James Franklin kind of said that that weight was good for where he was right now, but they might want him to be a little bit heavier down the road. Um, so I'm curious to see if that's something that given his health status now that they're able to accomplish and, and what that translates to. But I think that when you look at this defense, you know, the starting 11 next year of guys who are eligible for the draft, I think that he is the one who could hear his name called first out of that group. Um, and I think that he's someone who can have a, a really big year and, and really set the tone for this defense. He's a former top 100 prospect. As I said, first time in, in a few years, he's going to have that full offseason. But uh, Daniel, your boy, your guy, Kalen King, I, I just can't believe you'd, you'd, you'd shift away from him like that. Uh, I think he's got a chance to go really high in that draft. And I know you're high on him too. But that was one thing that kept coming to my mind when you were going <laughs> through that conversation was, don't uh, Kalen King might have something to say about that when it's all. It, it was either Adisa or Kalen, <clears throat> either Adisa or Kalen, but. I'll, I'll go Adisa right now, but in a couple weeks, I, I might flip. <laughs> okay. Um, we had one roster departure to get to as well because Bryce Effner announced that he is stepping away from football. He's a guy that, like a Juice Scruggs, like a Nick Tarburton, declined the opportunity to use COVID eligibility uh, with Penn State. Uh, but he's not going to the NFL draft. He says he's, he's hanging up the cleats based on an announcement he put out on Sunday. And this is a guy that, that really an unsung I don't want to know if you want to go all the way to hero, but certainly an unsung storyline of, of this whole season was his ability to step up um, and, and play a few different positions early on in the season with Theo Johnson off the field. He was playing a jumbo tight end and some and some run blocking situations um, as the season wore on. He was playing some guard roles. And of course, we saw him at right tackle for the final half of the season and, and then into the Rose Bowl in that starting role. And ultimately, what you saw from Bryce Efner uh, was a a breakout year in terms of his his value to this program uh, and it came after a, a spring that was lost to him he was sidelined by some undisclosed injuries he's had some medical hardships along the way getting himself right uh 36 games played with penn state and ultimately a guy who went out on top uh, starting in the rose bowl the last his first four years on campus uh daniel he was a factor last year a little bit he started two games at left tackle but this year took another level. You got to give a, a, a certainly a salute to, to Bryce Sefter for, for his work this year, a guy that we didn't expect to see this much of, and he played a ton of football, and now stepping aside from the game. He was someone who had a, a really defined role this year, uh, where last year he was kind of the jack-of-all-trades. He had to do everything uh, on the offensive line because they were pretty shorthanded. So he had to play guard. He had to play tackle. He probably could have played center if they needed him to, but – with the addition of Hunter Norzad and with kind of the emergence of some other players on that line, uh, Efner really got to focus in on being that swing tackle this year. Uh, and we saw how much that paid off. Um, you know, he played his way into a rotation with Caden Wallace. Um, you know, James Franklin said that Bryce Efner earned his way there. And then when Caden Wallace went down uh, in the Minnesota game, Efner was really able to step in and, and finish out the year. Um, obviously he wasn't the most you know, physically talented or the most physically imposing player out there. I think he was listed at 287 at one point this year or last year, which is a little bit small for, uh, you know, for a, a big 10 right tackle. Um, I think one of my colleagues remarked at the Rose bowl that he looked like someone who was already had the, the, uh, the body type that looked ready for after football, um, with kind of the composition, but 
you know, you need those types of guys. I may have, I may have been that colleague, Daniel. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, kind of, he looks like a guy who's, who's already had a little time with football, has lost some of the bad, you know, quote-unquote bad weight that you don't necessarily need if you're not trying to push 300-pound defensive linemen uh, on a weekly basis. So um, he's a guy that I think next time we see him, he, he may look thin. You know, he, he might go the filter outline route. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I think that when you're building a program, those are the pl- types of players that you need, guys who are around for five years, um, guys that are able to, to grow into these types of roles and develop where, you know, you might not get much out of them in their first three years, but you look at their fourth and fifth years that they have the experience uh, and, you know, they have enough talent that they can come in and contribute when, when they're called upon. So I thought it was a, a pretty cool year uh, for Bryce Efner, AKA big slab. Uh, one of my favorite nicknames on the team. Um, I remember talking to juice Scruggs uh, before the season and, Juice was kind of talking about what Bryce Efner had been through uh, from an injury standpoint and what it took for him to get back to this point. And I think that it, it's pretty impressive that Efner stuck with it. And, you know, it, it's, I think it's you know pretty cool that he gets to go out uh, winning a Rose Bowl, starting, playing most of the game. Um, and, you know, he gets to hang it up now. He gets to move on. And the last time he was on the football field, he was in Pasadena on that podium uh, celebrating with his teammates. He played more than 600 snaps this season. His first four years on campus, fewer than 350 total snaps. Great way to finish it and an example of a guy sticking with it in an era where maybe that's not always the case anymore in college football when you get past year three and you start to look around at your transfer options. Um, That closes the book, by the way, on the 2018 offensive line recruiting class, which also featured Rasheed Walker, who just spent his rookie season with the Green Bay Packers, and then Nana Asedu, who, if you recall, had a heart condition detected when he got to campus uh, an enrollment ultimately was not able to play college football. Um, fellas, there's a lot to look at uh, in terms of additions to this roster. We just talked about a couple guys who are being retained, one leaving. Let's get into the transfer conversation. Then we'll talk about the freshman. Uh, Storm Duck, uh, we heard from you on this, Tyler Calvaruso. I think it was last week when we started to review some of these guys more in depth, but officially in the fold, along with a couple specialists that we're going to let Daniel do the heavy lifting on. But Storm Duck, uh, immediately you have to imagine the impact because – Unlike the freshman, this is a one-and-done situation, and he's looking to maximize it. So is Penn State. Yeah, and it's like I said in the last time that we discussed, Duck, whether he starts every single game for Penn State this upcoming season, whether he's a rotational piece, it doesn't really matter because the fact of the matter is this is a high-quality depth addition for the Nittany Lions. He fits Manny Diaz's defense with his length on the outside. We're talking about a guy who's six foot two, 200 pounds, uses his length to his advantage in coverage, really strong in run support, hits like a safety, has the toughness of a safety, so Penn State's not going to have any issues in that regard. And just an overall quality, quality addition. And this was something that Penn State really set out to accomplish this offseason on the defensive end. You know, because when you lose a guy like Joey Porter Jr., it goes without saying, it takes a lot to replace him. And while Storm Duck, you know, it's pretty much impossible to replace exactly what Joey Porter Jr. was able to accomplish this past season, that this is a pretty good job of the staff by bringing in a guy who has that skill set. Because, and we touched on this a little bit as well, if Duck hadn't dealt with the amount of injuries that he did at North Carolina, there's a good chance he's getting ready to be a pro right now. That's just the fact of it. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was an all-ACC selection this past season coming off two injury-riddled seasons. I think that speaks to what he can do when he's healthy and when he's on the field and not really dealing with the nagging stuff that kind of hindered his career with the Tar Heels. So Penn State's excited about this addition. I'm excited to see where he fits in in the secondary. A lot of ways Manny Diaz can put him to use, and I think you're going to see him lined up all over the place. A bit more under the radar in terms of what Penn State's bringing to town here in January, but potentially 
quite pivotal when we look at the special teams and, and what it's going to involve in 2023. There's still some unanswered questions there. Uh, but Daniel, a couple additions, a punter, a kicker. Yeah, we, we know that James Franklin likes to invest bodies at special teams. And I think that you're seeing that with Alex Falcons coming in from Columbia. He's the kicker. Uh, and then you have punter Riley Thompson uh, coming in from Florida Atlantic. Uh, Falcons has two seasons of eligibility remaining. Thompson will have one. Um, so it's some short-term bodies to have back there. Guys that can you know maybe push the scholarship players. Guys that can maybe find a role one way or the other. Because we also know that James Franklin and Stacey Collins, they like to really specialize um, when it when it comes to special teams, whether that's long field goals, short field goals, kickoffs, probably punting situations. Um, you know, if these guys have what Penn State is looking for, there's a good chance that they could find a role. Uh, Falcons made 67 percent of his field goal attempts at Columbia, uh, four or six from 40 plus yards uh, this past fall, uh, high of 53 yards. Uh, Thompson was someone who really impressed in his first year on the scene. Um, you know, he's an Australian. He turned 23 on Monday. Uh, he got the happy birthday shout out from James Franklin right after they uh, announced that he had enrolled. Um, so th that's a little bit different. Penn State hasn't had an, an Australian style kicker in a while. Um, so that could make the punting unit look a little bit different next year. Um, but he's joining a room that has Alex Paquetta in it, that has Gabe Wosu in it. Um, so we'll see exactly how that sorts out. Um, let me see. Yeah, Thompson ranked 15th nationally in, in punting average. Um, 14 of his punts were fair caught, 26 inside the opponent's 20-yard line, 15 of 50-plus yards, long as 71. So there is a leg there. He's a bigger guy, six foot two, 215. Um, and that seems like something a, a little bit different for the special teams unit. But you know, Penn State does return some scholarship players at both spots. Alex Paquette is back at punter. Uh, Sanders Sahadak will be back at kicker. We haven't gotten a definite answer on what Jake Pinniger is going to do. He can return for a 60 year if he wants to. Um, so that'll be something else to monitor as we get a little bit deeper uh, into January and, and towards spring football. Yeah, Pinniger, the full-time place kicker here for Penn State, four or five years, along the way, seeding some long-distance reps to Jordan Stout, who took over the job entirely for most of the 2021 season. But, yeah, we're still waiting on that one. Uh, Paquetta got involved in two games over the course of his freshman season and maintained redshirt as a punter. Uh, but people don't want to hear any more about specialists. They want to hear about receivers, because that is what Penn State needs right now out of the transfer portal, losing approximately 60% of their production from that position in the form of Parker Washington uh, and also Mitchell Tinsley leaving the program. Uh, so let's get into it. One name that we thought we might speak with a little more finality today, uh, Tyler Calvaruzzo, is Devin Carter, NC State, big-bodied wide receiver. We were breaking him down a little bit last week, but it's a not-so-fast-my-friend moment. Tell us why. Yeah, so he's in the directory, but he is yet to enroll in any specific classes, and the reason for that being is it seems like the Carter camp is still doing a little bit of soul-searching. And when I say soul-search, I mean – figuring some things out in terms of maximizing Devin's value and getting, putting him in the best possible situation that they feel represents his value. And I would say there's a chance that Carter is still looking elsewhere for sure. There's a chance he could pop up elsewhere for a visit this upcoming weekend based on what I've been hearing, but there's still a chance that Penn State could get this done because they like the player. They still want the player for sure. There's no doubt about that. I know West Virginia is involved in this entire ordeal and West Virginia's involvement is pretty interesting to me because they're also heavily after CJ Williams and they're, you know, they're kind of, that's kind of a juggling act for them because they're only 
so many spots to go around, right? So where does Carter fit? Where does Williams fit? Is West Virginia seriously a landing spot for him at this point in time? We'll see. But the fact of the matter is, it's not done between Carter and Penn State right now. He's not a done deal to the Nittany Lions. But at the same time, Penn State's not out of the race by any means. They definitely still want him to be part of this team next season. And the two sides are working to figure out the details. So a really fluid situation that we'll be monitoring throughout the course of the week. And, you know, if he falls through and Carter doesn't wind up at Penn State, it's back to the drawing board. And there are still some pretty quality names on the board for the staff. Tyler, we're talking about transfer players who are here on campus. The freshmen that we're going to get into in a moment are, are tweeting all their photos from the front row of classrooms. What's the timeline here? I mean, there's not a lot of time to waste. When is he trying to make a decision? It seems like really it's not about when he wants to make a decision. It feels like Sunday is when he has to make a decision because yeah. with Penn State's registration, with their whole deal with registering for classes and everything like that, he has to be in by Sunday if he because he's a mid-year enrollee. So that's his situation right now. So he's going to have to make up his mind pretty, pretty soon. So this is, no matter what happens, this is going to be a situation that is resolved sooner rather than later. So we, there will be some finality soon, but I expect this to carry on throughout the weekend. This is such a, a fascinating area of, of interest, uh, of emphasis, I guess, for Penn State and the transfer portal, because from day one of the of the postseason transfer window, December 5th, when that opened up, it's obviously been a priority. Um, we've seen some familiar names like like uh, like Dante Thornton, who's a former Penn State commit. He has since landed with Tennessee via transfer out of Oregon. Uh, you know, Dante Cephas has been a popular topic. We've touched on that. You said that may need to be something that we re revisit a few months from now, and, uh, when, and and he may not be able to transfer until after the spring semester. And there's a lot of things involved there. Who are the other names? There's been some guys on campus. I know you said if, if, if this blows up with Carter, it's kind of dropped back to the drawing board. But who are some of those other irons in the fire right now that Penn State fans need to be aware of? So Tyrone Broden from Bowling Green, the wide receiver, big wide receiver transfer, six foot seven. He's listed that he was on campus for his official visit over the weekend. Going into that visit, the buzz was really surrounding Oklahoma. It seemed like the Sooners had a real edge there, but I'm not sure he's a take right there right now. I'm working to try and see if you know what the deal is on Penn State end in that regard as well. But another big body. So if you do lose Carter, you know maybe that's a guy you could bring in, kind of replaces that with a very very similar skill set. Freddie Roberson from Eastern Washington. FCS transfer. He's going to be on campus for his official visit this week, and we wrote about that on late Saturday night. Lots of like there, I would say, based on his tape. It reminds me a little bit of Mitch Tinsley, you know, tech, more of technician. Not going to, not going to overwhelm you athletically, but good route runner, good hands, guy who can make plays at this level. Romello Brinson from Miami, still on the market after his official visit to Penn State, and some, still some really positive vibes surrounding that visit. You know, the Manny Diaz connection looming large there. I think Brinson's giving the Nittany Lions a pretty good look. And yeah, with Cephas, really nothing new to share on that front. It's more kind of wait and see if he can make it work somewhere being in the portal right now. But if he has to go back to Kent State and take care of business on that and then re-enter in the spring, I think that's something that they are prepared to do over there. So we'll see another, another fluid situation that we'll be monitoring. But if that one goes on into the spring, I think Penn State will still be involved there once that time rolls around. Very much day-to-day -day right now with Transfer yeah. Portal News. Tyler Calvaruzzo has been doing a fantastic job at Lions247.com for our VIP subscribers to keep everybody updated. Uh, a great job on this podcast as well. And uh, something else we've got to get to in just a moment uh, is the Junior Day recruiting event because recruiting is always on the radar as well. But finishing up the transfer conversation here, defensive line target for Penn State, a guy who got to Happy Valley uh, for a visit, Davon Sears, announcing he'll be heading to Oklahoma for his next college destination. And that leaves me to wonder, 
what's next at the interior defensive line spot for as much as we talked about as the, the depth and the reinforcements at defensive end, you're losing to PJ Mustford. It feels like there's a need for a big body in the middle, whether it's a starter or a guy who just played a bunch of college football. And right now it doesn't seem like we have those answers. Uh, tough to say. I think that, I think there's a lot of uh, reevaluating with Sears going off the board to Oklahoma. Sears was someone that the staff did indeed want for sure. No doubt about that. Cause there's been so much talk, like you just said, about replacing Mustafa, and that's been a pitch to a lot of interior defensive line targets, and that was the pitch to Sears. He decides to go to Oklahoma. While he was wanted, I don't think the staff is necessarily losing sleep over this. It's, hey, we lost one. Now we got to get back at it and get back to the board. I know Branton Dean was a name that had been kicked around a little bit from Purdue. He's going to Miami, so that's another guy who's off the board now. So, yeah, I think John Scott Jr. and Deion Barnes and just every really the entire staff just really getting after it, trying to figure out where they can find a fit on the line. And I remember us having a similar conversation about this in the summer after TJ Parker decommitted and the staff going back to the drawing board and figuring things out. You ask me, they came out pretty well at the end of all that. So I think they're looking to recreate some of that magic in the portal. And I feel like I end every transfer conversation by reminding our listeners that Chop Robinson did not enter the transfer portal until late March of 2022. And you saw what he did as the year progressed in a Penn State uniform. Let's get to the freshman enrollees because there are a bunch of them. And let's start with the offensive line, Daniel Gallon, because we just talked about Drew Shelton. Uh, we just talked about uh, the fact that Bryce Efner is gone, but you've got a young component in Drew Shelton. you got another one inside in Vega Ione who got a bunch of time. this. Or those two got some time this year, especially Shelton. You've got two tackle back in Onobu Fashionu and Caden Wallace. You lose your center, but Hunter Norzat's expected to slide over there. And, of course, Landon Tengwall coming back from injury. Salim Wormley proving he can stay on the field healthy, playing all these games as a starter this year. A lot of names, and now we add three pretty high-profile prospects. Anthony Donko, I think people forget that he got a four-star bump in the 24-7 sports rankings here during his senior season. And then people know the names Javen Williams and Alex Birchmeyer by now, both top 100 prospects. Williams finishes as a top uh, top 30 overall prospect. He ends up as a five-star in our rankings, and Daniel, a lot to like about this group, especially that they're here in January. Birchmeyer and Williams projected to play tackle to begin things. Donka inside. What do you make of this influx coming at a moment where it feels like a bit of a luxury? And I didn't think this offensive line was capable of producing luxuries about a year ago. So it's a really good spot for Phil Troutwine to be in. I, I think probably at this point last year, when when you look at the the picture of the offensive line, that there are some thoughts that oh, Birchmeyer might have to come in and, and play right away, or or something. They couldn't along play a real lines. spring game. They couldn't play <laughs> a real spring game because of offensive line numbers. Exactly. So I think that Penn State, it's what a difference a year makes. Uh, you know, Penn State is in a is in good shape when it comes to the the top of their offensive line, and I think that all three of these guys have the opportunity to, you know, maybe not necessarily crack the two deep, but provide valuable depth. Um, I think it is really important that they're here in the spring. You talk about the, you know, the physical development that an offensive lineman has to go through, you know, in the adjustment to college, even though these guys are pretty advanced uh, already themselves. Um, and I think another benefit that James Franklin touched on on signing day is figuring out where they fit. Um, you know, Birchmeyer is someone who I think long-term might translate to the interior. I know that the same thing has been said about Javen Williams, but Penn State is going to give them the opportunity to play out there at tackle uh, and see if it works. And I mean, it's why not? You have them here for the spring. You know, you need to know what you have, uh, especially when you get into a season and you know you might need to to fill some holes here and there. You know, you need to know who's your swing guy. Um, you know, who can only play on the left side, who can only play on the right side. 
Uh, you know, this is a really good time to experiment, especially with players who might not necessarily be called on to play major, major reps in their first years on campus. So I think this will be a really valuable spring for these players. You know, Penn State needs them to really be serviceable when you look at some of the misses that they've had um, and some of the guys who haven't panned out. And you talk about losing Nate Bruce uh, in that class of 2021. Um, you're losing a depth piece in Bryce Effner moving on. Um, you, know, you really need to kind of shore up the, the long-term health of the offensive line. And I think that starts now with getting these players into campus and into winter workouts and seeing really what you have there. Because the ceiling right now for all three of those players seems really, really high. Um, and, you know, why not find out how high that ceiling can be right now? James Franklin made an interesting comparison about how he's gone about starting off some guys at cornerback, knowing that he anticipated they transition to safety, or at least that was kind of the thought process that that, that might ultimately be the transition. We've seen it with Zaki Wheatley, of course, uh, pay off for this defense. Um, but he mentioned that with the tackles uh, and playing Javen and playing uh, Alex outside on the perimeter, letting them match up on an island of sorts against that speed and then seeing how they handle it. That experience isn't going to hurt them inside, but I think they want to see what they get. And by the way, this group of edge rushers on the on the practice field for Penn State, they'll do their part in helping you figure out what you've got in Alex Birchmeyer and Javen Williams early on once these guys put on pads in March and, and through April. Um, but I think at the tackle position right now, it's a fair question to wonder if maybe – if, if the two starting jobs, if we're going to say that Caden Walsh is going to be a right tackle, which I don't think anybody's going to completely jump on right now, but he's back. He's a guy who's been your starter, went healthy since 2020. He played quite a bit in the Rose Bowl, coming back after missing the last five games of the season. And then, of course, you've got Olu Fashinu, who is a set-it-and-forget-it franchise left tackle right now. And so you're wondering, what does that mean for Drew Shelton? Um, is, is he going to be entrenched as the backup left tackle and, and bide his time? Or is he going to maybe – work on some new things and 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 they're going to get a look at him at the right side and maybe he's going to push for that kind of role and then you got Jimmy Christ who was the the swing tackle when Efner was starting and and, and you had Caden Wallace out so there's a lot to work through there but I think there's certainly room uh for either of these players to step up and I think command some attention uh early on I wouldn't be surprised if we come out of spring practice and we're hearing really good things about one or two of these guys in terms of maybe being in that mix too potentially ditch a red shirt next season. That's not an easy accomplishment. It wasn't going to happen for Drew Shelton until Olu Fashion went down, but they've prioritized both of those prospects for a very long time. They've now got them on campus, and I think there's reason to be excited if you're a Penn State fan when you look at this offensive line room, what these guys bring to it. You can really say the same thing about tight end because Tyler Calvaruzzo, Brenton Strange you know, had a really fantastic first half of the season. It was more the Theo Johnson show in terms of stat sheet during the second half of the season. But Strange, a strong blocker. He's going to make his move at, uh, and see what he can do with the NFL. But you've got three tight ends coming in with this group. Uh, the one I'm highest on, Andrew Rappelier, won't get to campus for a little bit longer. But Joey Schlaffer and Mega Barnwell, both on campus right now. Mega, we, we called him the mystery man because we weren't sure if he would land at tight end. We still got a ways to figure out with him. But Joey, who's a younger brother of, of former Penn State lineman Michael Mennett, um, and, and has known this staff for a long time, I really like what they're adding to him and the fact that he gets on campus January. Got a lot of speed for his size, so much so that we had some people on the board wondering if he might be able to play wide receiver. And he's a guy who played some quarterback at the high school level. So I think he's got a pretty good understanding uh, of offense, of, of what it takes to, to uh, run an offense, of what it takes to, to be involved with other guys. So uh, for me, I think you're getting a pretty good prospect profile and Schlafer, and, and and if I'm being honest, I'm just not quite sure what Mega Barnwell is going to be in 2023, much less 2025. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you when it comes to Barnwell. But when it comes to Schlaefer, I mean, I think he's one of the more underrated prospects in this class just for the reasons you outlined, really. He got a lot faster this offseason. I remember when he during the summer when he went to go camp for the staff and he worked out and he ran a 40 before everyone else showed up. And his time was significantly better than it was previously. And the staff is really, really pleased with that. And another guy who can do a lot of different things for you in an offense, but everything that I've heard about Schlapper indicates he could do a lot of different things for you off the field as well. There's a, going back to his high school career, very well respected as a leader at Exeter. And I think that's something else that he's going to bring to Penn state as well. Pretty early in his career, you know, some guys you just gravitate towards and it seems like he has that kind of personality. So Good player on the field. I think he's going to be a positive impact off the field as well. Really underrated member of the class, in my opinion. And then we talk about rap. I mean, what more can you say about him? I, I'm really excited about him. He, he's up there in this class. I think he, he might be one of the best three, five guys come out of this group when it's all said and done. I think he has that kind of athletic potential. He's really come along as a receiver, and I think he's going to keep getting better under the tutelage of Ty Howell. So a lot of upside there. And if he puts all the pieces together, I think we're talking about a really special tight end who has a chance to go play at the next level and be an impact player at the next level for a really long time. Going back to Joey's stats real quick, all-time county records at Exeter Township, a high school with – 2,493 receiving yards and 28 receiving touchdowns. Those are pretty crazy numbers. Um, but like you said, Andrew Rappelier, I'm with you. It's tricky because these guys are getting a head start in that room. Mm -hmm. It's it's a group where anybody's going to have to climb the depth chart because you've got Theo Johnson, we think, coming back, but we haven't heard anything officially from him. Maybe that changes by the time you hear this podcast. Tyler Warren's played a ton of Big Ten football. Maybe he's ready to take that next step. Khalil Dinkins seems like he's ready to take another step in year three. And then Jerry Cross – it, it, it made progress from the practice field as a freshman, but I feel like there's still some room there for a newcomer if he's ready to hit it running, whether it's you know, Schlafer or a little bit later here in the calendar year, uh, Andrew Rapplier. I think there's room for a freshman to impress upon Ty Howell and this coaching staff and put themselves in a position to be a factor come the fall. Um, another position that, that gets an addition here this month is Jackson Smolik. And it's important, Daniel, because everyone's on the, uh, the Drew Aller bandwagon at this point. There's a new QB1 in town. Uh, Bro Perbula is your new projected primary backup, but maybe he'll have to battle that a little bit um, because Jackson Smollett coming to town, he's going to have, what, eight, nine months underneath his belt before Penn State plays some football. Uh, he's a guy who we've documented a lot here on the podcast, had him on a couple weeks ago, injured as a junior, uh, ends up going to the Elite 11 on a late invite, impressing people. Penn State gets involved, flips him from Tulane, and lo and behold, he ends up the next man up. And a lot of people you talk to say he's the right personality, He's the right prospect to follow up that two-quarterback class that was headlined by Aller. And this is a guy that I think we're going to see traveling to road games next year and really maybe a play or two away from taking over the reins as quarterback uh, for what is projected as a top-10 team. Do not overlook this young man as he gets underway on campus. We saw Bo Pervula uh, travel to every away game this year, even though he was the number four quarterback or one of four quarterbacks. And I think Smolik really pencils in right now as that number three. So, you know, he'll be on the road. They'll let him get to see those environments. They'll get him exposed to all the different situations that you're going to see as a college quarterback. But I think along with sort of offensive line uh, and the really physically demanding positions, I think that as a quarterback, you need to get there. You need to be an early enrollee. Um, especially the way that college football works now, um, and especially if you might be called on to contribute early. Um, you know, we heard about it with with Drew Aller in terms of the strides that he really made from the spring to the fall, uh, and that really culminated with what we saw in uh, against Purdue on that opening night. 
the fact that he was ready. I think a lot of that goes back to being on campus early, getting the chance to have spring with the playbook, uh, working with Mike Yersich and uh, really jumpstarting that development curve. So, you know, it is the thing where in a perfect world, Penn State won't need Jackson Smolik, but we've seen them have to go down the depth chart uh, because of injuries or, or other reasons. And, you know, you need to be ready. So I think as a quarterback getting here in January, really being able to, to jumpstart this process, being able to work with Mike Yersich, to work with Drew Aller and Bo Perbula uh, and the rest of that offensive staff. Um, I think only good things can come out of that uh, for Jackson Smolik, and that'll let that'll let Penn State know what it has uh, as a court, in its quarterback room, you know, what the depth chart is going to look like, you know, what else they might need, how they might need to adjust things. Um, so I think for Smolik, it's it's only a good thing. Six guys on campus on the offensive side of the football in this freshman class now, and then five on defense. And I'll let you handle these, uh, Tyler Calvaruso, as we're running a little bit late on time before we get to Lamont Payne. But Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas at linebacker, both top 24-7 prospects, Zion Tracy, Elliott Washington, and Lamont Payne projected at cornerback. Um, that's a lot to like in terms of influx. You add the storm duck to that, and Manny Diaz got to be licking his chops a bit as he reevaluates what he has in that back seven. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a really quality group, and I, I think of all those names you just mentioned, Elliot Washington is the one to really watch at this point because we talk a lot. We just we just had a whole segment about Storm Duck and the um, the opportunity he has to come in and make an instant impact. I think Elliot Washington has a chance to do the same thing at corner. I, I think there's a lot of refinery to his game already, and you're going to get Terry Smith working it with him now for eight nine months before the start of the season. I mean, th there's a lot that could be accomplished there to get Washington to become a day one player. And, you know, the other names, Zion Tracy, Speedster, they're going to work on his coverage ability a lot because just if you have a guy who's that fast and is already that high quality of a cover corner, if you could just continue to fine tune his technique and really get him refined to the kind of the point where Washington already is, you're talking about a potentially special player. And then with guys like Robinson, Rojas, I mean, what, what can you say about them, especially Rojas? I mean, geez, you go look at the senior season that he had. There's a lot of excitement surrounding him. He's, you know, if he, he, we talk so much about Penn State's linebacker depth now with Jacobs coming back, and there's just being so many quality pieces in that room. Imagine if Rojas is ready to go from day one and what he could bring to the table with his athletic profile. I mean, you're talking about a completely different – it's a different beast. And Manny Diaz – He's got a lot of work, a lot to work with with these early enrollees. And then once everyone makes it to camps and this entire class is there, I think he might be salivating because he's got some dudes, man. Guys like Jamal Lyons, and all, once they get on campus, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a good group. And, and Tamir Robinson, by the way, um, we heard from Terry Smith on signing day. It sounds like he's going to be full go in terms of health yeah. where he needs to be for Penn State, which is a great sign. He's not coming here to recover. He's coming here to hit the ground running. He missed a, a senior season with an injury. So good to hear on, on Robinson. Uh, I'm with you on Rojas, though. It, it doesn't look like there's a lot of, of, of pathway right now to significant playing That's time at linebacker. But I'll tell you what, there's just you watch what he accomplishes as a high school senior, yeah. and you just look at the general prospect profile, and there's a reason that he was elevated from outside the top 24-7 to right around the top 100 by it was all said and done. A lot to like about the kid. And then just one more note on Zion Tracy. Uh, I've mentioned it before in the podcast. Still some internal discussion among Penn State coaches about maybe is he going to be a fit at wide receiver. He's going to be a cornerback. That's the plan right now. But there's been some internal debate, much like with Lamont Payne, safety, 
cornerback, and we'll hear from Lamont on that in just a moment. Uh, let's recap with a couple things here, starting with the uh, – let's finish this conversation with a couple things here. Uh, junior Day recruiting event set for Saturday in Penn State. It's always a, a, a common spot on the January calendar to see this event pop up. It's going to be an important one. You've been reporting some of these out-of-region visitors as things have gone on. Brian Doan contributing with a bunch of reports here on Tuesday, adding to that list. What do we make of what's coming together for the Junior Day? Kind of what I said earlier, you know, it's a really impressive list coming together. You got guys like Keelan Adams, who's a top 24-7 receiver, who's really high on Penn State coming back to campus. Jalen Harvey, everyone knows his name by now because he's been to campus a hell of a lot. He's going to be back this weekend for his fourth visit since October. He's really looking forward to getting back with the staff, reconnecting with them. Penn State, 24-7 sports crystal ball leader with Harvey. I think we really like with those picks right, right now. That's going to continue. Nitty lines have themselves a pretty decent – in them, have themselves in a pretty decent spot, excuse me. And then the out-of-region guys, Mantrez Walker, 2025 linebacker from Georgia, Justin Baker, his Buford teammate, 2025 running back, will be there. Blake Frazier, an offensive lineman from Texas, 2024, he'll be there. Penn State staff likes him a lot. Phil Trotwin is putting a lot of work to get him to campus, trust me. And now that's coming to fruition, so they're really happy about that visit. And Philadelphia duo, the quarterback wide receiver duo of Samaj Jones and Brandon Ryman, they're going to be on campus. Makai Edwards from Christ the King in New York, he's going to be on campus. We, we could rattle off names all day. Corey Duff Jr. just told me he's going to be on campus. We actually got the article up on that in the middle of the podcast. So th there's a lot coming together for this weekend. And like I said earlier, it's only Tuesday, so there are going to be more names flooding in. And by the end of the week, we're going to have a pretty healthy list, I think. It's going to be a pretty full list with a lot of high-quality names. And I'm anticipating that's going to be the case next weekend as well. I think that the second junior day is going to be a pretty big weekend as well. So we'll be keeping an eye on both of those weekends with guys that are coming to campus. Oh, one other one who's coming, Willie Love. I want to touch on him. Willie Love from South Jersey. Staff's high on him a lot in the secondary. A lot of quality traits. He'll be on campus this weekend as well. So it's a good, it's yeah, a good group. Willie Love, he, uh, currently from South – he's he's heading down to IMG though, is he? Is no, he, that's, he uh, that's Eric Lee. He's already at IMG. It's, uh, you know, I read Dunn's story. I'm reading it now. It says he's transferring to Is he IMG. Going to IMG. Yeah, everyone's oh, going wow. to IMG. Another I mean, one. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you he's you know, a guy's pretty good if they're getting scooped up from the Northeast and, and yeah. heading down to IMG. It's it's that that happens year to year. Um, and so, hey, fellas, I really appreciate it. We, we've covered a ton of ground, a ton of time here. Going to get to Lamont Payne in just a moment, but appreciate all the coverage from both of you. Bunch happening at lines247.com. Daniel, Tyler, talk to you real soon here on the podcast. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
All right, just before he gets to campus in Happy Valley, we have an opportunity to speak with incoming freshman Lamont Payne, a member of the 2023 Penn State recruiting class. And Lamont, joining us from his home right now, but about to hit the road. Uh, man, we appreciate it. I, I know how how much of a transition this can be. You've got a lot on your plate right now to, to set some time aside for us to hop on the podcast. It means a lot, and we thank you for that. Of course, thank you for having me. Well, it's been a couple of weeks now since signing day. Big day for you, big day for your family. How have the last couple of weeks gone as you've prepared to to make this big move? Uh, it's been, you know, it's been hectic, but it's been pretty cool. You know, running around trying to get stuff together. Um, I kind of wanted to spend time with like my friends and my family as much as I could before I left, and you know, just putting work in, like you know, working out, lifting stuff like that. So I'm prepared and ready to go up there. A lot of uh, recruits along the way come up with a plan to enroll early. It sounds great. And then they get there and Christmas goes by and mom and dad are, are, are around. And all of a sudden they, they start to realize that their friends aren't going to be around them every day. Mom and dad aren't going to be there every day. Uh, has that kind of sunk in for you? And and why was this the the move for you to get up there, you know, five, six months ahead of some of your peers? Um, I feel like like my mom asked me, she's like, has it hit you yet? And like, I told her no. But like this morning, like I have little sisters, I have a bunch of little sisters. So like saying bye to them was kind of like the hard part of it because, you know, they mm. go to school and I'm going to go to school because I finished. But really mainly them that I think about, but like obviously I know that they, they support me and, you know, also I got a whole community behind me. So it kind of makes like leaving early a little bit better and easier. And um, when it comes to like early enrolling, it's something me and my parents talked about that we wanted to do, you know, just like I'm ahead of the curb, you know have better experience, get a chance to like get, you know, early playing time in the spring game and whatnot. So I think it was just an overall good decision. Uh, we'll get to a lot of the football part in a moment, but a couple of things I want to ask you about. A lot of freshmen showing up to the college campus, you wonder these things. One, who is your roommate going to be? And two, what are some of the essentials that you have to have in that dorm room to be comfortable? Um, my roommate's Javen. He's an O-lineman. Yep. Um, he'll be moving in later because he's at an All-American game right now. So he'll move in like Sunday, but um, I think our room will be, you know, full of food. It'll be, it's it's going to be a good, or, it's going to be a good oriented room. So I'm excited to room with him. Yeah, I got what, a defensive back. I don't know how much you weigh, 180 around there maybe. Then you've got Javen Williams, who a lot of people think might be the top offensive lineman in America right now. So, yeah, yeah I'd imagine you're going to have a, a challenge in keeping up with the, <laughs> the calorie intake uh, yeah. along the way. Um, now, now, looking at the football side of things here, uh, Terry Smith told me on signing day when I asked about the defensive back class that you know, four of the guys, he knows where they're going to play, cornerback or safety. You were the exception. He said, could be cornerback, could could be safety. Well, we want to get a feel for this thing and do what's right for Lamont, do what's right for the Nittany Lions. What's your sense on, on that conversation right now? Um, as of right now, you know, obviously I want to play corner. I've been playing corner for, you know, a while now. I've been getting recruited for corner. But, you know, obviously I'm going to a top-tier school, so – their input and their say also has a big impact, you know, because they want what's best for me and what's best for my interests. So, you know, as of right now, you know, I'm open to whatever, you know, whatever chance it gets to just like have me go in the field more early. So I'm kind of open to everything. Lamont, of course, you were you were an all-state selection as a cornerback at Chartier's Valley. Uh, you were a, a pretty pretty impressive receiver as well. I know it wasn't a big numbers, but 20 yards per catch. You had four interceptions as a senior. And I'm curious, what's your case for staying at cornerback? If someone were to say, why do you think cornerback is the position you should stay at in football? What's your answer? Um, I feel like cornerback, you know, it's a very hard position to play, and not everybody can play it. 
and like for the people who can play and who are good at it, you know, like that's kind of like in the NFL. In the NFL, if you look at kind of where the money's at, because there's not there's not everybody who can play cornerback, and it's kind of hard to teach cornerback. Like it takes time, and it comes with you know experience stuff like that. So that's what would make me want to be cornerback, because you know everybody wants to be everybody wants to be a receiver, you know, catching touchdowns and all that, you know, all that fun stuff. But I like being a corner and getting down like nitty gritty and stuff like that. So. You like stopping the guys from catching touchdowns. Right, uh, yeah. That's your goal. Um, and, and when you watch this cornerback group play for Penn State, obviously you spent this entire senior season of yours committed to the program. So I'm sure you were keeping a close eye. Joey Porter Jr. looks like he's going to be a first-round pick. Kayleen King really showed up at, at an elite level, really throughout the season, got the interception in the Rose Bowl. And then you go down the list and look at some of the depth here with Johnny Dixon and Marquise Wilson and, and Daquan Hardy and the freshman Cam Miller. How would you kind of summarize what you saw from that group? Honestly, it was amazing. You know, Kalen, Joey, all those guys, anytime I went up there, you know, they've always showed me love. They always gave me advice. You know, I, was, I always felt comfortable going up to them and talking to them if I ever needed anything. So, and then on top of that, them having the gears that they had, it was really eye-opening because it just shows that, like, you know, they're obviously doing something right. Coach Terry's doing something right, and they're just producing. So, it was really important. Defense. Defensively, it was a big season for Penn State. Uh, they they seemed to get stronger as the year went on under Manny Diaz. Uh, what was your impression of that unit overall, and how much kind of communication have you had with the defensive coordinator? Oh, you know, like before the season, everybody had like you know all the critics talking about uh, Coach Diaz and all this stuff and how the Penn State defense would do. So it was pretty cool seeing you know them perform how they performed. You know, kind of like silence those critics. But uh, Coach Diaz, you know, he's seen me multiple times. Of, like you know spent time with him, you know, one-on-one -on -one and just to get a feel for things and get an understanding for the uh, defensive scheme and stuff like that. So, Sticking with the coaching staff, what stands out about Terry Smith? Because it feels like he's gotten a ton out of his position group here in the last several years. He's been on the staff for a decade, essentially, right now. Uh, what makes him, you know, I, I guess, maximize players like you once they get to campus from your impression thus far? Honestly, I feel like it. I feel like He's straight up with everybody, you know, he's very, you know, forward with everybody. Like he's he keeps it hundred percent. He don't really you know, he don't give you like this pity and pat. He'll just tell you how it is. And I think that's really what you need at that position, especially. So and at the top of the food chain for Penn State, in terms of the coaching staff, you've got James Franklin. You've been on campus a bunch of times. You've attended the prospect camps, which I want to ask you about in a moment. But what is overall the impression that you, your parents, got from James Franklin as they kind of entrust him with you for these next few years? Right. And uh, Coach Franklin's amazing. You know, he we had an in-home visit. You know, he was like, he's so homely. You know, welcome. Like, my sisters always go up to him, and he's never, like, the type to, like, you know, steer them away he's always like welcome in it's like he's one of your own that you know essentially is what it feels like and it was just i'm a whole rec recruiting process he was the most consistent with me when it comes to like reaching out asking how the fam was you know making sure like i was a top priority making me feel that way so it was definitely a major thing as I just referenced, you, you were able to get to some camps this summer. Um, an in-state prospect's a little bit easier for you than maybe some of the other guys in the class. But what did you gain from that experience before your senior season, getting to work with Terry on the field, uh, getting to get some observations from James Franklin, and, and obviously going against some pretty impressive wide receiver talent that we brought in this summer? Um, it was good. I felt like it's kind of what I needed. You know, um, I feel like it shaped me in a way, like preparing for my season, and it kind of gave me like an edge. Um, it felt good getting like early, like early work with Coach Terry, you know, so I kind of get a 
can get a feel for like what type of coach he is, how he likes to do things. You know, he's very detail oriented, which was something I'm glad I like learned kind of from the beginning. And I think that, that stuff's going to help me when I go up there. Uh, you committed a while ago. Uh, you spent right. a long time in this class. Uh, as a junior, you, you announced your intentions to, to come to Penn State. But maybe going into your senior year, once you were established, people recognized you as a likely All-State kind of player. You had the Penn State commitment label. Did you notice offenses, opponents approach you a little bit differently on the field this fall? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like um, the first, I want to say first three weeks of my season, they put me at safety and teams really didn't know how to adjust to that. So I feel like that was good, but also throughout the year, like not many teams did throw my way. Um, obviously, you know, we have Alcoa, Central Valley teams who are, you know, top level competition who threw my way, which is, you know, I was happy for, cause you know, those are kids on those team are, you know, they're top notch. So it was good playing against them. But other than that, it was pretty a quiet year, you know, when it came to like throwing to my side, so. Oh, you mentioned the fact that you played some safety early on, and, and maybe it was a schematic decision to, to kind of throw off some of those opponents. But what did you learn playing some at that position, um, and how did you feel playing there? Um, I had to adjust to it, you know, like nat naturally, you know, just playing on defense is what I like to do. So adjusting to safety wasn't that bad. Um, it's definitely way easier than corner. You know, I don't really got to – it's either I'm hoping over top and come down and run fit, or that's how Elisa was for um, my program that I was in. So it was cool. It kind of like gave me a feel for like an understanding what the safety, what the safety has to do and how the safety corner have to communicate. So it definitely like gave me a better understanding on how to understand a safety or whoever's behind me because like they're the last level of defense if something breaks away. So it definitely helped me. What are your short-term goals at Penn State? You're getting to campus this weekend. You're going to have a few months here with, with the upcoming semester, eventually getting to winter workouts, eventually getting those 15 spring practice periods, finishing off in Beaver Stadium in the blue-white game. What's at the top of your list in terms of what you want to accomplish between now and summer? Um, honestly, I kind of want to just go in, you know, give it 110% every rep. You know, I don't want to look back and be like, oh, I could have did this better. I could have did this harder. You know, I just want to go and go full throttle because, like, you know, like I said earlier, I'm going in for a reason. Like, I'm going early for a reason. So I just want to go and give it all my all. We saw a couple defensive backs burn their red shirt this year. Uh, KJ Winston at safety, Kim Miller at, at, at cornerback. I'm curious, how important is it for you to earn your right to burn that red shirt and have a real role in this defense in 2023? Uh, obviously, that's major. You know, in high school, when you're a freshman in high school, you know, you have to build up your name, build up, you know, the, like the uh, stuff behind your name. And I feel like it's the same thing, you know, you're going in, you, it's like a fresh, clean slate. You got to build who you are. And I feel like that's really important because I feel like some guys, they feel like high school can carry over to college and that's just not the case. You know, that's how you kind of like end up not getting what you want. So I feel like just remaining humble and, you know, just going in there with the intention, like I'm going to do my job every day, 1% every day. And that's how I'm going to get where I want to get. Do you have any existing relationships in the cornerback room that you're excited to build on? Maybe someone hosted you on campus during your official visit. Maybe a guy who's just been in steady contact with you throughout the season. Uh, I've talked to Joey multiple times, but, you know, obviously he's leaving. But um, I even talked to some of the safeties, too. So it's just cool like to have the DBs in general. But Kalen, mm -hmm. you know, I went up for the white the whiteout game. And, you know, Kalen will always talk to me. He'd always give me advice. He's never, like, the type, you know, like um, – shy away from me like if he sees me he'll say what's up he'll say you know he'll ask how my family's doing so it's always good and it's good to know that i have like people who are older than me and older examples who i can look look uh look at 
my understanding, Lamont, is that you were pretty important during the recruiting cycle in terms of being uh, that peer who, who was a sounding board for guys. Um, maybe if things got a little shaky, you helped stabilize that. That's the word that I got. Uh, what kind of a role do you think you played in this recruiting class? I would agree with that. You know, me being the second commit and, you know, one of the like, top commit, not top commits, like when it comes to like ratings, stuff like that, but, you know, just in the class in general, I feel like it was important, you know, get guys on board um, and just kind of help the coaches and also help like my class essentially because you know at the, the end goal is we want to win a national championship so getting those guys getting those top guys was, was definitely key so like Tay Mir, you know he's one of my one of my best friends close friends so like just getting him there was important to me getting Tony getting all these guys so yeah and and obviously you got you did a really good job closing out this class in strong fashion what did you think about defensively what we were able to do there i think the final week leading up to, to signing day getting a couple defensive ends getting a, a linebacker and kv on keys how do you feel like you got to the finish line uh for the early signing period uh defensive wise i'm actually very excited you know we have elliot coming um zion tracy akari all those defensive guys king mash so it's really going to be cool how the defensive side um, you know, plays out. The same, same with the offensive side, you know, Mega, Joey, all those guys, you know, they're all my, we're all close. So, and I, and I all know, and like, I know all their skills, like all their skill sets and they all want to go into work. We all communicate for a close knit group. So I'm excited to see how they do. It, I know you're already pretty competitively driven, but we, we saw that uh, Storm Duck uh, commits to Penn State last week as a, uh, a transfer out of North Carolina. We expect him to land in the cornerback room. Uh, is that kind of a, just an early wake-up call that the competition starts right away? Because you're going to get there in January. He gets there in January. We've already listed the guys who are right there. How much does that get your adrenaline pumping? Because I'd imagine your starting spot was pretty safe at the high school level the last few years. Right. Uh, yeah, like I said before um... – you know, you, you start fresh, so it's like you have to want to you have, you have to want to come in and compete every day. You can't shy away from competition because you know at the end of the day, that's what the coaches want to see. They want to see you come in, do your job, do it right, do it how they say. If they need, they want they want you to be coachable. And it's like I feel like what you know the new commitment of Storm Duck. It's like it, it shows you that it's really a business. Like you just have to you have to earn your way through it all. So I'm not shying away from uh, no competition. And the last look that we got at Penn State without you on the roster was the Rose Bowl win against Utah on Monday night out in Southern California. What were your thoughts on that overall performance and the way to finish off the 11-2 and season? Uh, I felt like it was a kind of a, a really good way to cap it off. You know, you're going to one of the biggest bowl games in college football. And uh, to beat an opponent like that, like Utah, you know, they're not, not just no regular team. You know, they had their success and we just had bigger success. So it was really good to see the guys win. It was, I loved it. What is the the last kind of message that the staff has given you and other enrollees in terms of what you should expect, what you should anticipate once you get underway on campus? Because I heard James uh, on signing day morning giving a bit of a warning, saying you think it's you think it's going to be hard. It's going to be even harder than that. What is kind of the, the mindset that they're trying to instill with you guys? Uh, I remember Coach Franklin came to my house and he told me he's like during these workouts, you know, they're not supposed to be they're not supposed to be easy. They're going to make you want to quit. And that's just kind of like how they mold you into, you know, being a top-notch college football player. So, like, like I said uh, before, I'm not really shying away from any of that because at the end of the day, that's what I want to do in my life. Uh, this is what I want to do in my future. So I'm excited for all of it. All right, Lamont, we're not going to get a chance to talk to you for probably about a year in terms of media availability. So uh, open mic moment. What is your message to Penn State fans about what you and this class are bringing to town and what you want to accomplish during your, st your stay in Penn State? 
Um, before I say that, um, I want to, you know, give a shout out to DeMar Hamlin. You know, I, I train with him and you know, seeing what he has to go through, you know, it's a blessing to see he's talking, you know, he don't have to breathe him anymore. So I just want to give him a shout out because he was a big, he was a big role for me when it came to my recruitment. He kind of steered me in the right direction. So shout out to him. But um, Penn State fans, I want you guys to be excited. You know, I want to take it by storm. I want to show everybody, like, I'm coming in. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to earn my spot. I'm excited just to make all this uh, fans of Beaver happy and Beaver Stadium happy. Well, I, I'm sorry I didn't realize your connection with Damar, um, who I certainly remember well from, from his time in the area. Um, we're all thinking about him this week. Uh, you know, right. the, the football community, the, the sports community across the country, I'm just curious what you mentioned. He steered you on the right path in recruiting. What exactly did you mean by that? Um, so if there was ever an issue, you know, like I'll take recruiting visits, stuff like that. Um, if there was ever an issue or like I like question something, I'd always go to him and be like, did you did your program do it this way? Like, how did you guys do things? And like not like trying to like see like which one was better, just like get an understanding for Pitt as well as other programs, how they compare. Um, when it came to the playbook, he helped me like have like ways I can study and like making flashcards stuff like that. And um, just anytime there was like an issue I had or like some guy questioned about like college football, or, like the transition from high school to football, he was always there for me. You know, he was always welcoming with my family. He never like, like I said before, he never shot us away. So he's a, he's a very, very cool family friend. Yeah, and everything you hear on the young man is is very glowing, and uh, we're all rooting for him. It's good to hear that he's responsive, and um, I, I hope that you get more good news on Demar and you get a chance to connect with him soon. But first things first, let's get you to campus. Appreciate yeah. your time on the podcast, and next time we talk, we'll be doing it in person, Lamont. So thank you. Thank you again to Lamont Payne for his time. Just before getting to campus, he is now settled in in the classrooms, uh, going to be getting that acclimation leading up to spring ball with the rest of these freshmen. A lot to keep tabs on these days at lines247.com, including these roster additions, some of these roster exits. We're still waiting on more announcements from some veterans regarding their 2023 status. When those announcements come, we'll have reaction over at the site. And when breaking news develops on any of this kind of stuff, it'll be over at lines247.com as well. We're back with another episode Later this week, we got another guest coming up that I think our listeners will really appreciate. Uh, in the meantime, stepping aside for now, on behalf of my colleagues Daniel Gallen and Tyler Calvaruzzo, I am Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. The NBA is bigger and better than ever. Don't settle for boring analysis and fake hot takes. Get real insider knowledge, real scoops, and really weird ideas about the game we all love. An oddball with Amin El Hassan, that's him, and Charlotte Wilder, that's me. We'll hit you with funny and fearless talk on all things basketball, from the serious stories on the court, the player beefs off of it, and everything in between. You can catch Oddball with Amin El Hassan and Charlotte Wilder every Tuesday through Friday on the DraftKings Network and wherever you listen to your podcasts.